0: Welcome to We've Been Had, which here in Season 2 is a song-by-song walk through the songs of St. Vincent. I am Keith Pilley.
1: And I'm Chad Cook.
0: And uh, we are currently working our way through St. Vincent's second album, Actor. Songs we'll be covering tonight are Actor Out of Work, Black Rainbow, and Laughing with a Mouth of Blood.
1: Right, sounds light. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But first, so there's, there's, if you'll indulge me, there's a hypothetical yeah, I wanted to run by. You. love hypotheticals. Okay, so this past week, or two weeks, whenever, recently, did you catch all this brouhaha that Billie Eilish didn't know who Van Halen was? I did. And got made fun of by Jimmy Kimmel. So I had that in my mind uh, earlier this week, and I heard this interview with David Lee Roth and came away thinking, he's actually a really smart and interesting guy. And then I started thinking about our last episode where we were talking about this Rolling Stone joint interview between Annie Clark and Kirk Hammett from Metallica. So, like, and you know, she said she was a Metallica super fan. So clearly Annie Clark likes some butt rock. Um, oh, that sounded dirtier yeah, than nice. intended. Yeah. Um, Let's try to keep it clean. Yeah, anyway, my hypothetical is, do you think Annie Clark is likely, you know, like, obviously we can't know, but is she likely to be a Van Halen fan? And on the flip side, what do you think the odds are that David Lee Roth is a fan of or is even aware of St. Vincent?
1: Uh, so I'm going to answer those in, in order. Uh, okay. I think it's likely that she is a of, at least a Van Halen-like, maybe fan is too much. Yeah. I mean, she grew up in Texas. like That yeah, sounds like that's, prime Van Halen territory. Uh, she
0: had to have like driven around in a car listening to...
1: And on the David Lee Roth... Front, there's no way he's aware of her at all
0: i don't know i, I, think, I don't know i
1: think you're falling for the roth shtick <laughs> like i don't think that guy has consumed any new musical material since like 1990
0: well okay i, I might be convinced there i mean because like in this interview like i was impressed that all of the musical reference he threw out were, you know like He's really into big band and he was like he was like going deep on all these like semi obscure big band conductors that he liked and I was like, Holy shit, But you know, yeah, they're all very old. So maybe. I mean I,
1: David Lee Roth is kind of a puzzle, it's hard to solve.
0: He's he's an enigma.
1: I, I feel like the person that came out of that looking the best was uh Eddie Van Halen's kid. Yeah. Uh Goes by Wolf. I like oh. Wolf Van Halen. <laughs> that's a
0: tough ass name.
1: It's like if you if you asked like uh, seventh grade me what I wanted my name <laughs> to be, like that's what I would have come up with. Wolf, wolf
0: Van, Van Halen. Halen, holy shit.
1: <laughs> I, I mean that you're, that is You're totally right. <laughs> Cause he has like he has the potential to be irritating, right? Yeah. Because, like I'm sure he's a good bassist, but like if his dad wasn't Eddie Van Halen, he probably wouldn't be the bass player for Van Halen, right? right. But he seems to recognize that, and not yeah. you know he's not chirpy about it.
0: I, you have to assume that like he, you know, knowing nothing about this kid's life really, but he had to have been exposed to like a lot of ways that fame and money can go bad, and uh, you know maybe he came out of that very grounded.
1: Yeah, is Valerie Bertinelli his mom? I think so. Okay, so both of his parents both of his parents were famous. Yeah. So. But he know. seemed he seemed to take you know there's kind of this internet shame culture. And yeah. Like he seemed to take a very measured approach.
0: He was up on the high road, which is good for him.
1: Yeah. No, I was I was glad to see. Yeah. Um, not to turn political, but you see uh, Donald Trump Jr. out there crowing about like, like all these things that he you know like he's allegedly done. Like it's just kind of embarrassing. Like yeah. you're like you're a grown man and you're your father's cheerleader. That's your job.
0: That is a sad thing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> at least uh, at least Wolf Van Halen earns his place at his father's side. I just,
1: I'm just I'm asking for a little perspective. Yeah, you know, like, like is, there, there's no two situations that are equal. I'm sure to get anywhere there has to be some degree of luck. But yeah, I just I like it when people appreciate it seems or at least seem to appreciate it.
0: Though. That is appropriate, right on. Okay, having indulged me, uh, should we? Kick into actor out of work.
1: Did you? Uh, I guess I uh, I meant to bring this up last week, but I forgot. Uh, did you catch the essay that St. Vincent penned about the ten-year anniversary of actor? Shit, no. Um, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a cool story because uh, like she starts it by saying the the internet told me that my second record turned ten last weekend. And then she writes this kind of this kind of interesting essay. It's available online. Um, I got it on Stereogun. Okay. But, uh I would recommend checking it I,
0: out. I should have. I, I just I'm showing my ass badly here.
1: But uh, one of the uh, this is one of the it's a fairly long essay, but it's it's kind of interesting. But this is one of the things that I think is is sort of important just to, be, to set the the tone for this. Uh, so she's talking about kind of her experiences recording this. Uh, this album and moving on to the, the second producer. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a story about that. She said, Johnny told me some of the songs sounded like outtakes from the lion King on Broadway. <laughs> God bless Julie Taymor, but not a compliment in this case. I was lost. I had all kinds of words and melodies, but was so beaten up by the other processes that I didn't know how to tie them with these pristine moments. He told me to go home and write a song that night, so I wrote Actor Out of Work at my mom's house in my childhood bedroom. Hmm. That's wild. Yeah.
0: That's that's interesting, because one of the things I was going to get to with that song is it uh, does not have the movie association sound that so much of the rest of this album does. So I guess, like,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, it seems to be a conscious choice.
0: This is a great fucking song. Like. Yeah. Of the ones we've covered, this is the first chronological where I'm like, okay, yep, Pantheon, big winner.
1: It's got some, just some amazing lyrics, too. And it, and one of the things I think St. Vincent does really well is is to kind of lay bare this raw emotion. Yeah. But have it sound like a pop song. Yeah. Um, which is it's really hard to do. I mean, it's really hard to put it all out there like that. Like, yeah. Uh, and I feel like she does a really good job of that. That's always something I respect, just as kind of a a private person. Yeah. But uh, I just, I like the, you know, like, I like the line that you're a boxer in the ring with brass knuckles underneath. You know, like, you're just, you're like, you're just not playing fair. Yeah. Elemental
0: That, uh, God, yeah. And you wonder what she's reacting to with that, you know, like. You put something like that in, in response to something in your life a lot of the time.
1: I guess. Yeah. It, it, this one at least feels like it's probably a personal relationship because uh, periodically she says, I think I love you. I think I'm bad. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it, it is something that you, I don't know. That's what I like. She just, she just really lets it out there.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, just, there's so much about this. That's good. It, uh, you know, I love the way she's like singing these kind of savage lyrics, but like with this, lilting deliver that's just kind of like surfing on these big waves of music and the whole thing is produced like it's just layered on top like this phil specter wall of sound thing but he would do like layers of sound that weren't you know not much was going on it'd just hold a, you know like layers of notes that would hold for a long time and she's got like these notes chugging along together in a way that would be a mess if she wasn't such a gifted musician but you know she can like articulate everything so cleanly that it sounds like a big machine that's running really well and not just like
1: Bleh! so this is an aside but uh when was the first time you saw a picture of phil specter and what was your oh. reaction
0: <laughs> um i can't remember when the first time but it was way after i you know like i developed a picture of him in my head before i saw a picture of him and <laughs> those two pictures were not the same picture I would I would honestly
1: be frightened if it was the same picture. In fact. But, yep, that's exactly what I thought he looked like.
0: Man, so he's a guy, like, it's so hard not to talk about him. So, you know, there's this thing in art history that, like, everyone has come around to the fact that, yes, Picasso was a fucking asshole. But, you know, and so
1: there's this move. But never called an asshole.
0: <laughs> I think Jonathan Richmond was wrong about that. Um he must have been called an asshole, but, you know. So there's the, there's this thing of like, well, how do we? What do we do? You know, because like you can't talk about 20th century art without talking about Pablo Picasso, but he was such a fucker that it would actually it would be nice to be able to airbrush him out of the picture, and you can't. And you know that's just, that's this ongoing debate. Um, same thing with Phil Spector. Like yeah. I Hemingway
1: too. Or something. Uh,
0: yeah, I. I mean. Hemingway is shitty of those three, Hemingway was by far the least shitty and the most, you know, I'm not gonna say defensible, but I mean like Phil Specter.
1: Yeah, Phil Spector's
0: bad motherfucker.
1: I guess like, Norman Mailer too. Yeah.
0: Maybe,
1: like you could throw him in there too. There's just a lot of there's, there's just a lot of dickish uh, males. A lot and, of
0: bad men. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I always feel bad. Like you can't talk about this certain type of production without bringing up phil specter but then i always feel bad for having brought up phil Spector.
1: yeah it, it, it's it's hard to separate the i guess that it is the same problem with picasso is it's hard to separate the the like genius of your work from like just your impossible behavior as a human
0: yeah and you know i mean like there's this thing where yeah the firmament that they were important in was a very you know sexist structure that uh tolerated a lot of shit from you know guys who were geniuses but uh you know that is that's our past like that's that's the dirt we're growing out of and i don't know annie clark's one her production of the slater kinney album that came out earlier this year was great maybe she can like becomes this new production referent and just kind of elbow some of the some of the bad guys out of the picture well, i feel
1: like that's that's a change that needs to be made yeah um, like, I think uh, I really liked that, that latest sleater album. Oh, it was great. I thought it was really good.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'll be bringing that back later tonight. I'll, I'm going to keep my powder dry on that.
1: Excellent. Excellent. I'm excited.
0: Um, Back to actor out of work, though. I So one thing that's interesting to me, like, there's not a ton of dynamics in the song. You know, like, it stays, like, the, the foot is on the pedal all the way down. All the way through and a lot of times that's a problem but here it's it's not and i'm not sure why
1: but i mean i think because it has the substance to back it up like uh-huh. it's just a really the lyrics are so complex it's it uh you know you kind of you get to focus on the lyrics yeah which is, and i think one of the things that that saint vincent does a good job of is crafting her songs yeah so that they that... like you can tell that they're she's very intentional with her decisions uh which i think you know, like I always think about if I was a musician, I think I'd be more like the replacements of the Ramones, where I'd be like, "Yep, this is it. Yeah. Cut, print."
0: Yeah, it's hard not to want. I mean, you know, that seems like that would be more fun,
1: but I'm sure it is more fun, but it's probably more rewarding to to sit down and and tinker with it.
0: Yeah, I uh, so I I I, I, I wish I had read that essay you were talking about. But I kind of love that story because one of the things I had um one of the things I had flagged is that you know this song does sound like perfect and polished after it gets going but it starts out you just hear the hum of an amp being turned on and hear her drawing breath and you know it's like human and lo-fi and like if you told me that Stuff was left over from being demoed in her childhood room. Like, I would believe it, you know. And then it like flips immediately into this perfect machine. And I just, I love, I love that. I love like when you've got perfection, but you can see the human being behind it.
1: That's, that's just great. Yeah. It's kind of like, have you ever heard the uh, Tom Waits song, uh, Looking for the Heart of Saturday Night? I haven't. She recorded in like a hotel room in New York City. Okay. So no. It's got like the traffic noise in the background. I love that shit. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So like, that's what, that's kind of what that reminds me of is yeah. one of those, like, so I like, I like that it's both crafted and, but you leave a and, little bit of the, of, you know, kind of the sauce on the plate. Yeah.
0: You know who, uh, I, I hadn't thought of this until just now, but you know, who was very big on that, that type of duality, um, when interviewed Mr. David Lee Roth
1: So I, I feel like this, <laughs> I feel like this, this podcast is just an effort for you to, to sway me on Van Halen. I, weren't did, you not singing the praises of Sammy Hagar last episode? I love
0: them both. I love them. So here, here, here's what I figured out. Uh, Van Hagar is good warm weather music. Uh, Dave era Van Halen is good cold weather music, and you know it's cold out, so it, it's Dave's. So this
1: is where I'm at with Van Halen. Like I didn't even know that David Lee Roth had rejoined Van Halen. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I this is how far out of the loop I am. Times
0: almost. a flat circle. Oh, um, (laughs) parking the Van Halen thing, though. Getting back to the Her Drawing Breath. So this is a weird thing. This is probably probably nothing. But, uh, you know, so this song, the best song in the album, I think, starts with you hear an amp hum and you hear her audibly draw breath. The best song for my money on Black Star is Tis a Pity She Was a Whore. You start out that hearing Bowie draw a big breath. I think that's just a coincidence. But last week, or last time, I was talking about how chunks of her song The Stranger seemed to show up on Black Star. And, you know, again, like probably a coincidence, but it's interesting to me and like interesting that I don't know if they were just kind of operating on the same artistic wavelength or, you know, he had to have, yeah. as we belabored last time, he had to have been aware of this album and it seems like the kind of thing he would have liked.
1: Yeah, um, I can I mean, I I think this is this is like, I mean, the, the, not to derail this into a discussion of Bowie, which could probably have its own podcast. But one of the cool things about David Bowie is just the sort of evolution of his style over over increments. Yeah, and so I think you know you don't become like that. You know, you don't go from releasing hunky dory which is basically a piano album to aladdin sane or ziggy stardust without being open to new types of music yeah and being open to influences yeah
0: and uh, you know part of what was cool about him like he probably was not consciously like incorporating chunks of saint vincent into his music but he was like open you know he was absorbing new influences up until the end,
1: yeah, and, and, and that's, the antennas were always up with him, yeah, right? Like yeah. he was always, always looking at at ways to evolve his sound.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the conversation we were having about whether David Lee Roth had listened to anything since nineteen ninety, like yeah, that's not a conversation you could have with Bowie. That that, and that's awesome.
1: Yeah, he would probably be bringing things up from the future if you. had that. <laughs>
0: yeah. He didn't actually die. He just. Finally traveled ahead to to hear the music he liked. Coming back to this song, I so one last note, like, Mackenzie Smith's drums just fucking rule on this song. They're great. They I don't know. Like I looked around at Mackenzie Smith's other drum credits and there aren't that you know, like like, there's a lot of work, but not a lot of other stuff I've heard of, except for work on other St. Vincent albums. But this is just
1: he does a good job of shining. Did we determine it is a he? Is a he? Right?
0: I think so.
1: Okay. Uh, he or she does a good job of of, of shining under the kind of the Saint Vincent construct, uh, which I think is is probably hard to do. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, the other thing. Did you um, did you watch the video for this?
1: I saw the video, but I did not watch it.
0: I so I had this weird thing of I thought like, well, I doing my homework. I gotta gotta check the video, and then I thought actually I, I like thought how weird it is that, like, with her... So this is a thing that I think is different and interesting, that, like, videos matter in a way that, you know, like like the whole season of Uncle Tupelo, I mean, there were no videos to look at, Um and I don't think there ever would have been, and it, there, it would have seemed beside the point even if they'd made them. But with her, there does seem to be this, like, broad spectrum, like, I'm going to make some art that is going to expand out beyond the the music, you know, and like like looking at the video it seems like it's maybe something you have to do to get her intention. I don't know.
1: So I kind of like, I, I guess I, I like it either way. I would say if artists aren't into making videos that they should just do concert videos. Yeah. But if they're interested in, in kind of pursuing that visual medium, like you think about when we were growing up, like there were some videos that you saw that, that really were formative right like yeah the first time you saw the beastie boys sabotage video yeah right god like, yeah like even the even like november rain like the guns and roses video yeah like it just it's it's just a really or thriller i mean yeah um or
0: I mean, on the flip side is, is it bastards of young where the replacements just put the camera it? on yes, a speaker a, a static
1: shot of a speaker <laughs>
0: That's uh, if you really don't want to make a video that's how you do
1: it so again if you're the replacements why are you not just having your videos be footage of your concerts
0: I, because I think Paul Westerberg the thing I figured out about Paul Westerberg is that like <laughs> for him not caring is kind of the best case scenario um, if he doesn't like something usually it's more actively like fuck you I want to sabotage this and so like you know it's not that he wanted to put as little effort as possible into making a video. I think he intentionally wanted to make a video that was just "fuck you, record company, fuck
1: you." Yeah, just it. It seems a, it seems a little petty.
0: I well, know. I think he is. I mean, like I love him, but I think he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Anyway, the thing with this video, um, I don't think it's that great, but I was really hit. So it starts out like it's this conceptual thing of she is a director um a film director like auditioning actors but it starts out and all you see is a bare stage and you see her walk out onto a bare stage with a boom box and set it down and hit play and it is so totally the start of stop making yeah. sense yeah and it's... like I i just i love that
1: yeah, that's that's definitely got to be a callback. It she, has to she be. She and David Byrne are toured together, right?
0: Yeah, they made an yeah. album together, like not long after. And I, I want to like track down the the timing on that.
1: I mean, I feel like for me, "Stop Making Sense" is probably the best. It's it's one of the top musical documentaries I've seen.
0: It's just it's so good. It's nuts. Yeah. I, what blows my mind is like. It's so easy to think of the '80s as this like cultural cesspool, you know, and like I, I mean, I, I fall into that too. But then you think back and like like I don't remember when Stop Making Sense came out. Was it '85 ish? Somewhere give there, give or yeah. take. You know, like yes, there was all kinds of terrible, stupid banal shit everywhere. But then like you had these corners of like, okay, well here's oh, Scott Talk about Warrant
1: like that.
0: <laughs> so honestly, like as I was saying that, like the image in my head of like the archetypal bad 80s culture was the title screen of Alf. <laughs> but, uh, warrant fits the bill too. I don't know, I just, I mean, like, there was there was a lot of shit. But yeah, but at the same time, you've got, like, these first Coen Brothers movies being made. You've got Stop Making Sense. You, yeah, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I just, the, I think the 80s you, are, you had to reach for it a little bit. It yeah. wasn't, which is probably good.
0: Yeah, and it's probably still true, you know? Like, I mean, I'm sure there, I'm sure there's a cultural history of 2019 to be written just that's all, like, shit-ass reality TV and...
1: And Young Sheldon.
0: Yeah, young Sheldon.
1: It, so I, I do think it, it, it's hard to judge an era in which you're living, yeah. but but the combination of uh of both young Sheldon and then like the fifty-two different like police military murder shows. Fuck like, inti- how many people get murdered in the military, honestly. <laughs> it's just all a crime. Like, we really need to look into this. <laughs>
0: That should be the next show from CBS. It's like this meta show of people, you know, tasked by Congress to figure out why there's so much crime in the military. Yeah, I mean,
1: serve your country. Don't get knifed.
0: (laughs) Do you have anything else on actor out of work?
1: No, but I hope I get a cease and desist letter from CBS. (laughs) That's 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 one of my goals.
0: Ah, CBS. Fuck them. Okay, let's take a break and come back. Hello.
1: We are back with the uh, the Black Rainbow, like a Black Mirror. Black Mirror.
0: Do you watch Black Mirror? I do. I do. I, I've seen a couple of episodes.
1: You have to get past the first couple of episodes of season one.
0: The 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 pig fucking that's, was.
1: That's a that's a gate uh that's a whole game I, I mean
0: like oddly ripped from the headlines yeah but uh,
1: it uh i mean it does they do have a lot of good commentary on uh on kind of the the overreach of technology yeah like those, that's kind of what they're about
0: someone pointed out to me that like most black mirror episodes and most Radiohead songs after like 1996 are all just like cool, mate? Computers—they're scary, <laughs> and that
1: like—that's a pretty apt description, actually. But every time I watch Black Mirror, uh I giggle because of that Spinal Tap bit where they're they're looking at the pressing of their new album and it, yeah. it, it's all black. Yeah, and the guy's like, Black Mirror.
0: <laughs> I really hope that that was part of the Black Mirror naming process. Oh, anyway, Black Rainbow. Black um, Rainbow. I So, I... This is a weird one for me, where, like, I... At first, I was like, yeah, I don't like this. But then the more I thought about it, like, I kind of brought myself around to liking this a bunch by thinking about it, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's got some... It's got... it. it it's, uh, you know, as people say, it's a thinker. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like the... I like the bird outside the kitchen fighting his reflection. That's a great line. You know, what's he gonna win when he wins? Yeah, that um, is
0: a great line.
1: I actually think uh, the thing that strikes me the most is the last like minute thirty of this song, is like the definition of like crescendo ending.
0: Yeah, that's so. My 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 big note is like what I so like. I don't like the start of this because it's all like flutes and winds and like syrupy scores, and it what's, sounds like what's your beef with the
1: flute? More of a pan flute man.
0: That's right, Zamfir or Bust. Is that guy um, is still alive, Zamfir? I don't know. I, I mean, he's got to be a generation or two older than us. And you know that Zamfir was living hard, partying.
1: I wonder how, m- how many CDs he sold. Like because I saw that commercial a number of times throughout my youth. I think Zamfir probably enough that they kept making commercials. Exactly,
0: right? like that it was worth pursuing. Zamfir died on a mountain of money, with like a pan flute full of cocaine. Up to his, he I, would hope, just, I hope that's true. He would use that. He'd use the longest thing of the pan flute as his coke straw. Um. Anyway, yeah. So this song, you know, like it's that's the thing. It starts out pissing me off with like flutes and winds dominating, and it, you know, it's like okay, we're doing the film score thing, but then I love that like you know you get that like militant chunky keyboard. That just like takes over the song. And like, you know, like it turns it it's it almost works less for me as a song. I, I feel like as a song it's only kind of successful, but as a musical joke, it's really successful because it's just funny the way they all the keyboards just keep moving in and fucking knock everything to the side and
1: did it remind you of all at all of the that like Flash Gordon theme, by Yeah, Queen? Totally. Like that's kind of what I was getting. Yeah, it's like, like like dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah. Which I think, honestly, best sampled in that Public Enemy song, Terminator X. That's a
0: weird thing. the edge of panic. I actually think Public Enemy makes that song sound better than it is. Like, whatever Terminator X is doing there, cutting it out, like, that's like this weird... um, I was just talking about dynamics. I'm like, that's a weird case study in dynamics. How, like, uh, Queen doing it, it is just this pretty cool hammer hitting you, but it's cooler... When Terminator X, I don't know, cuts some flare into the hammer.
1: I mean, I think part of it is it's hard to distinguish the fact that that movie is just ridiculous.
0: But I think that movie
1: meant to be ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure it did. I mean, there's no way you could make that movie without thinking like, this This is just way over the top. They,
0: they, no one there was like... There were zero discussions about like, how can we make a grounded, serious...
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go campy, like, like put the pedal to the metal. Have,
0: have the Hawkman just wearing some leather straps. Oh,
1: the Hawkman. <laughs> and, and, I mean, the, not to turn this into a Flash Gordon uh, movie podcast, but, uh, like, the budget for that thing must have been huge. It was huge, right? Like, yeah. they got Queen to do the soundtrack.
0: Yeah. No, that's... Dino De Laurentiis just, like, you could do a... You no, know, we're talking about the culture of the 80s. If you just like traced the culture of the '80s through the movies of Dino De Laurentiis, you would that would be a pretty wild thing, you know. Like, I am pretty sure he bankrolled Lynch's Dune, which I know we've got a difference of opinion on.
1: We we definitely do.
0: Um, I believe he was the man behind the Transformers movie, which
1: the cartoon or the yeah yeah. So I like the cartoon.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that's a way more interesting movie than. A movie about transforming robots should be. I don't know. Dino De Laurentiis, dude. That is what, like if Annie Clark was going to sit back and watch movies without sound to inspire an album, she should have just done the De Laurentiis 80s catalog.
1: I mean, honestly, I mean, I know it's not chronologically feasible, but that's what they should have done with one of the Voyager probes is just <laughs> loaded that gold record with Dino De Laurentiis movies. And that would be pretty wild. Send that thing to the heliosphere.
0: What if they did it with like Lynch movies?
1: Well, so I think that would just be confusing. <laughs> is it is it Lost Highway that has like Bill Pullman as the sax player? Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I think whatever alien race would think that like Bill Pullman is this monster sax player <laughs> is implicated in this weird murder plot. I this, this is.
0: I would be comfortable with this message going out to the universe. Oh, Coming back to the Black Rainbow. Um, oh, just one other thing. Yeah. Was
1: Terminator X the guy who left Public Enemy to manage the ostrich farm? Yes, I believe yes. it was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, my favorite thing about that is that Chuck D has, I believe, multiple times like issued public statements about how much he respects that decision. <laughs> but I mean, like... Uh, it, it, when you're in a band with Flavor Flav, you probably are like, "Yes, this is the dignified way to go." Raise <laughs> ostriches. It just and it, it, it's
1: it's amazing to me, like, just on so many levels because you wouldn't you know, like you wouldn't think you'd be in Public Enemy, but you're touring the world as part of this uh, as part of this band. And then you go on to another career that wouldn't occur to me. Like I didn't even know there were ostrich farms.
0: I hope Terminator X writes an autobiography. Just and the guy's like... stage
1: name is Terminator X.
0: Well, apparently he was mad about. So I did read somewhere that that was Chuck's idea, and he didn't like that because he thought it sounded too violent. So I... Terminator X has to be a pretty fascinating individual.
1: Right? Like why are we... why is there not a Netflix documentary about this guy? Right kickstarter
0: yeah let's, let's start writing it up
1: but i digress
0: back to the black rainbow so one thing that struck me about this uh, there's in the first around two minutes 30 seconds there's no drums like there's just the, that chunky queenie keyboard like gives you all the rhythm you need and the drums don't show up until like the point where the keyboards are elbowing everything aside and then suddenly they start like just hitting a snare on quarter notes. I don't know. It's just, it, 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 it's who the hell thought of that? Like, I mean, I guess, I guess she did.
1: It just, it reminds me a little bit of like when we saw Neil Young and he would just sit down at an organ and yeah. start playing and singing. Yeah. Like I think some people have the, have the vocal chops to carry that. Um, and St. Vincent's one of those people. I mean, Neil Young, maybe. Uh, one of the, sometimes <laughs> one of those people. Yeah. Case by case basis.
0: Yeah. You know, more often than not. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, I actually, like, going back to the thing I had that this almost works more as a joke than a song. Like, and I don't mean a joke when she was like, fuck you. I just, I think, like, she, it felt like maybe she thought it was funny to have this thing pivot from, like, the Bambi score to, like, an industrial thing. I don't know, like, is it possible that that was just the whole idea?
1: Yeah, like a decomposition? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. I mean, I think, I think what I... And that's just one of the things that, that she does, right? Is kind of play with tempo and play with style. To, yeah. To create these kind of weird sonic landscapes.
0: So I hate to do this, uh, but I, I kind of knew I was going to. But to bring Van Halen back into this, <laughs> I... um that David Lee Roth interview really got to me. (laughs) So it got me thinking about this weird way that we interface with music, I guess. That, like, if you're listening to Van Halen covering, you really got me. Like, that's really good. It's really pleasurable. And you aren't thinking about it at all. You're just like, yeah, fucking A, rocking. A song like this, like, I don't think there's any there's very little, at least for me, like gut appreciation. Like I'm not like, yeah. But when I sat down and thought about what's going on with the song, I ended up really liking it just as a conceptual thing. And it just, I don't know, it fucks with me that there are like these two entirely different ways to like music. And it's not that one is better than the other, but they're completely
1: different things. So, I mean, I would think as a Rush fan, you would be used to that (laughs) sort of intellectual approach critiquing music
0: okay but the thing is the only rush songs that are actually any good are the ones that you don't think about like thought is death for a rush song
1: that was honestly just a cheap shot at your rush (laughs) fandom
0: fair enough no but you know what i mean like um
1: yeah so I, i think that's i mean one of the things that maybe saint vincent suffers from is that a lot of her a lot of her songs are just bass really good pop songs yeah that also have really good substance and also are layered really well. And this one kind of makes you work for it a little bit, right? Yeah. It starts It starts at the beginning with with very little and then kind of builds up into this, this kind of, uh, this sort of just muddle at the end.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, this is a theme we go back to a lot, but I think that a thing that she gets better at with time is doing songs that, like most of mass seduction i feel like does just kind of rock on like a pump your fist level but then it has something for you too if you want, if you choose to think about it and like that's a great space to work in if you can get into yeah and i mean it,
1: it's really impressive i mean if i was as good a guitar player as st vincent is i would do nothing else like all yeah. my albums would just be me just <laughs> melting faces right <laughs> like that's it's it, it's impressive that she has like that level of restraint
0: yeah, sorry in advance for this, but what that means is that uh, she is more Eddie Van Halen than Steve Vai because she can. I think you're more Eddie Van Halen than Steve Vai. <laughs> now, so <laughs> what I mean is uh, there is a difference. Uh, I...
1: So just just for clarity here, Keith is the guy who had the Joe Satriani poster in his dorm room. The
0: hell I did. The hell I did. That is, that is not true. This indignation is not faked. No. So uh, again, this David Lee Roth interview did have me thinking about how.
1: So was there like a cash payment from David Lee Roth? <laughs> like, like is he is he looking to bump up his profile based on our two hundred and fifty yeah. listeners? He, he
0: thought, you know, this is the market I need to tap. Uh, no, but thinking about the career of Mr. Roth did make me think, like, so he... Do you include his Skyscraper album in that? Yes, I do. And so that's the thing. Like, everything you do with Van Halen is great. Everything, every single song. His solo albums, not so much. And a big part of that, I think, is because with Van Halen, he's working with this great guitarist who knows how to deploy great guitar to make a good song. His solo albums, he's, you know, he's just kind of childishly being like, oh, fuck you, I'm going to find another great guitarist. So, you know, he's got fucking Satriani or Steve Vai, who, you know, like, yeah, can move up and down the fretboard like crazy, but it's just for the sake of plopping their dick out on the fretboard and showing you. It seems more
1: mathematical for those guys than artistic. Yeah.
0: And so that circles back to what you were saying, that, like, Annie Clark is this great fucking guitar player but she's in the Eddie school of knowing how to, you know, set that like like you use that in service of the song, but you don't make the song serve that. And that priority yeah, is that, I mean
1: that restraint is important. And I think no. she learns through the course of her career how to let that shine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I have no Van Halen notes for the third song, I promise. Thank God. <laughs> That's actually all I've got for Black yeah, Rainbow. You yeah, got should,
1: we, should we move into the super light title, Laughing with a Mouth yeah, of Blood? Yeah,
0: let's uh, let's take a quick break and then come back into it. Should we should we laugh with a mouth of blood?
1: Yeah. I mean we should we should probably say that we're not actually angry with that with each other. This is an argument that Keith and I have about the merits of different bands back and forth. <laughs> Uh, kind of ad nauseum.
0: I... Never mind. I'm not even... I will not dirty this podcast with more (laughs) Satriani talk. (laughs) 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 Laughing with a mouthful of blood. Or mouth of blood. So, it's weird. this weird thing where, like, that is one motherfucking evocative title. And it's... It throws me for a loop consistently that, like, it feels like she's missing a word there. Like, it should be a mouth full of blood. But... The official title is Mouth of Blood.
1: I feel like Mouth of Blood sounds scarier than Mouthful of Blood. Maybe. Like, it just it feels more visceral. Yeah. Like, mouth of Blood. I have a
0: Mouth of Blood.
1: But I, I do like that, I mean, one of the things I, I do like is that she kind of went from this, you know, kind of frenzied finish to the last song to starting this song with a, with kind of a subtle guitar intro.
0: Yeah, about that. Um... So I am already on record in this season. Or no, I guess it was last season that I was really picky about how acoustic guitars should sound or not sound. Uh, and I don't like syrupy strings. And so, like, the first 15 seconds of this song... When you say
1: syrupy strings, what does that mean?
0: Just like, so like, as this starts, there's like this violin line going... or I, I think it's a violin, maybe it's multiple stringed instruments, but, you know, high-pitched, like like an old like an old-timey film score like just think about any bad sinatra song from the 60s or 70s with like shitty strings like i don't know just i i hate that kind of thing and like that is in the first 15 seconds of this song so like this one starts out with me like just bringing out my like oh fuck you reflexes and then it gets better like 15 seconds in it gets much better
1: do you uh So one of the things I do like is, and I think we talked about this last time, is kind of uh, like she does this kind of quiet echo version of her voice as a refrain.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Like the call and response. Like I'm singing, I'm having this conversation with myself in two voices.
1: That is really cool. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's almost like her inner monologue or something. Yeah. Um, And I do like the line that all my old friends aren't so friendly. All my old haunts are now haunting me. That's really good. Yeah. She just, she does a great job of really writing lyrics.
0: She's good with language. That's that. that's a big skill. I uh this is another one too where she the rhythm is really just kind of carried by this like chugging synthesizer and like to the point where like that's almost it's not a weakness but it's definitely a thing like her rhythms when she does that those rhythms don't swing and like it it's usually pretty cool or at least okay sometimes it can make things a little robotic and inert and that's kind of what i feel here do you
1: you feel like that's because it's like a it's like a synthesizer and not like a human doing the
0: i i mean basically yeah and and i think it comes down to like the way you play a synthesizer against you know like a, a human drummer is just gonna react to you a little more and like you know depending on how they did it the synthesizer might just be Someone programmed something that was hitting quarter notes exactly right, or yeah, I don't know.
1: Because I I think about when we saw her perform live, and um, I, I I feel like you know maybe next time we can tell the story about the our experiences at the at the show. Yeah, but I, I was really impressed with her like just confidence to get oh. out there in front of an auditorium full of people with herself a guitar and like a drum machine.
0: Yeah, that was unreal. But so I since since that show I've been wondering about how she prepped all the backing tracks. So it just I we've probably talked about this before but just in case um we caught her on the Fear of the Future tour um when she was it was the first chunk of touring for Mass Seduction or or Mass mass Seduction seduction. Yeah. yeah and it was just her playing with backing tracks and it was crazy good and I think then after that she went out with a with a full band but the thing I've wondered is what the production process for those backing tracks was like I know that she often you know more songs than not there is a live drummer Um, And I don't know with that tour, then if they took the album tracks and remixed them without like the vocals and guitars so that she could do that live. Or if they straight up did fresh, you know, like from the ground up, we're going to recreate this. Because if they did the first thing, then, you know, it's not that she's playing with a live drummer When we saw her, but she's at least playing with a recording of a live drummer and there's still this record of swing there that wouldn't be there if it really was just a drum machine going. And I feel
1: like I feel like she would need some mechanism to pause or delay the backing tracks because it didn't feel robotic when she was playing. Yeah,
0: I there's never been a tour I've been to where I've been more just curious over time about what the fuck was going on backstage. Like, that was, I don't know. That was nuts. That was something. With this song... So, my question for you, two-parter again, a three-parter, I guess. Would you say this song is twee? And is that a problem? And what is twee?
1: I, I don't know. What is twee?
0: I just kind of precious for precious's sake
1: yeah um i mean I, that's not the reaction i had to it but I, I do i do see after hearing you explain it how you could how you could say that i mean i i try to uh you know this is not my favorite song on the album Yeah, no. i'll say that but i i do like that it's it, it, you know like i like reading the lyrics and i like digging into the the meaning but yeah yeah i mean it, it's not I, I i'm comfortable saying it's not my favorite song of the album or or the songs we talked about today yeah
0: this is definitely number three you know number three in my rankings of the ones we talked to today but did you watch the video for this one i did not video for this one is nuts
1: so total number of videos chad watched zero
0: <laughs> i you know like fair enough like that it's it just it's random, I had time on my hands today that I watched these videos. But uh, the video for this one is a Portlandia sketch. It's a Portlandia sketch of St. Vincent playing at the uh, feminist bookstore on Portlandia. Interesting. And, like, the oh. video is so much more fun than the song on its own. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, and and there's these huge cans of worms there because then, um, you know, apparently... There was some connection between her and Carrie Brownstein back then.
1: And so I, I feel like I have some complicated thoughts on Portlandia. Like I really enjoyed it when it first came out, but I felt like it just sort of recycled the same tropes. It, it
0: got tired. Yeah.
1: But I will say that feminist bookstore sketch is, is pretty well crafted.
0: Like that. really, that's their best ongoing joke. And I, I've heard people, I, I have heard people who work at feminist bookstores who don't like that sketch <laughs> you know I, I i get that but it's pretty funny pretty consistently i've also heard people like fred Armisen seems to be like seems to have one foot on the canceled list these days i i've never heard anyone in their right mind who's against Carrie brownstein so
1: she definitely seems like the more the one you want to hang out with yeah between those two yeah i uh do you remember so we had a I can't remember what the, hol- it must've been Halloween because people came in costume and our friends, Ben and Neha came as those oh, two ladies? God, that's right. Amazing.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic.
1: It's one of the, one of the best costumes I've ever seen. <laughs> I,
0: I had completely forgotten about <sighs> that. That's magnificent. I mean, yeah, I just, I have, I have a mountain of thoughts about the fact that the video for this is, is a Portlandia sketch. Cause like on, on one hand, that's awesome. On another hand, like, that feels like an early step towards her producing this great slater Kenny album. It also makes me think, just like, so this is her second album, and it didn't have a huge cultural, you know, nobody in 2009 was like, oh, God, we gotta, you know waiting with bated breath for the saint vincent album i mean i'm sure a handful of people were but it was just a handful of people but she was well connected enough at that point to you know have these members of like intellectual music culture royalty make a video with her it's just interesting to me like this so i'm really interested in musicians paths to success i guess you know and that sounds really cheesy but you know it's just like the way people go from being a person in a room with a guitar to like i am touring and have a contract and her path to the top is completely different from the one that we spent the previous year talking about you know like uncle tupelo you you, you've got this like very conventional thing of guys in the midwest playing shows and slowly building you know they play a lot of shows They build an audience, they play shows in bigger rooms, they get a bigger audience, they release records on this tiny label. You know, it's this very old-timey thing. Annie Clark seems to have done it differently. And and I'm not at all saying that she didn't deserve any success or that the way she did it was, you know, that she took a shortcut or she cheated. Because, you know, none of that at all. But, like, I get this feeling that, like, if you are... Stevens Stevens' guitarist you know you you just come out of that connected in this way that you can step out and in your second album like fucking carrie brownstein and fred Armisen, are like yes we would love to be in a video for you
1: there's also a difference i think just uncle tupelo versus saint vincent in like how records got made and how yeah tastes got made between the two eras totally
0: that... there's like a generational thing there
1: That I mean, we just when this album, it's just more of a viral culture now than yeah. Than like you start at small clubs and work your way to medium clubs and yeah. Now I think if people like it, you just go, you just don't pass go.
0: It is weird because you can like that's got to fuck with your head, you know. Like if you do it, if you do it the old timey way, like you're it's like it's like diving you've got time to come up and not get the bends it has to really fuck with you if you go from like obscurity to like moderately famous
1: i'm sure it does uh i mean i don't think it's any different though if you're in in another sphere of entertainment and you go from being an unknown actor uh you know waiting tables at your favorite sushi restaurant to you know getting a a starring role in the you know franchise marvel franchise or something yeah
0: well chris pratt for instance seems to have become some kind of giant shithead as he i just came up I, out I, of the depths
1: i feel like that would just that would just mess with you like yeah. it, it would be hard to remain a a grounded person a normal person when you live in this world that's totally abnormal
0: yeah i think you're right and, and we'll get there when we talk about the song pills like whatever that
1: is yeah, yeah i'm excited for that already but uh
0: i don't know i just i, I just think it's interesting like the, the these artifacts of like how different her path was and and again like i don't like it's not that she she deserves every bit of success that she's had but like it, it's just baffling to think about what the equivalent of like famous people doing a video for something on uncle tupelo's second album would have been you know, even like like with Wilco, like having a video on their second album was a big deal, and it was this low budget thing where they were jumping out of that a plane. Was,
1: that was a terrible video. Was a bad fucking video. I so I wonder who the who the <laughs> contemporary would be if it was Uncle Tupelo. Like who would the video? Like who would be the like who was
0: the Carrie Brownstein, yeah. and Fred Armisen yeah. of 1991? Oh, who's that cartoonist? or not cartoonist? That comedian. Um, Fuck, the guy who died really young had the bit about people who worked in advertising needed to kill themselves. Mitch Hedberg? No, but, like, that same cohort. Fuck, I'm, I'll am i remember it when we go off the air. Mitch Hedberg is a weird thing. Did I tell you that, like, I think I went to college with Mitch, Mitch Hedberg? No. So I, I went to the University of Minnesota Morris in the early 90s with a guy named Mitch Hedberg who was very funny and very shy and disappeared after a year. I've never been able to figure out if it was that Mitch Hedberg. But that Mitch Hedberg is from Minnesota. And, like, huh, interesting. I think I went to school with Mitch Hedberg for a year. And if I didn't, I went to school with a very, very funny, very shy Mitch Hedberg. I, I mean,
1: know. the ages probably add up, right? Yeah,
0: it, like, like, the timeline yeah. makes sense. So trying to drag us back straight into laughing with a mouth of blood. Which, okay, also, like, it is weird that, like, you've got this song with the incredibly heavy title, and the video is just, like, this funny thing. Like, the contents of the song aren't mentioned at all. It's literally just St. Vincent shows up to play a show at the feminist bookstore, and they didn't promote it um, because they were arguing about where, what height the poster should be at. (laughs) And then she sings, and, like, that's...
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the the title sounds sinister, but in the song, she says, laughing with a mouth of blood from a little spill I took. And then the, her kind of callback is, what are you laughing? That's which good. which makes it seem more innocuous than, than, like, you know, you think, oh, God, mouthful of blood. Yeah, who
0: hit thing. you? Yeah. What happened? And that, that still works. Like, a little spill I took just does sound like, yeah, let me tell you a quick story to, yeah. to explain this thing. You, uh, the, oh, go ahead.
1: So, so the the one more lyric that I wanted to flag for you that I wanted to see if you, if you had the same reaction where it said, uh, she says, see, I'll trade in my plot of land for a plane to anywhere, which mm-hmm. to me is kind of reminiscent of the anywhere is better than here. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of the vibe I got from. I think that's right. And I think that's. Or even the Neil Young. Everybody knows this is nowhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we were we were talking offline about how in 2019 it's getting harder and harder to feel like maybe America's not for me. Maybe like I need to be somewhere else. And like that that's the feeling I get from that. It's just like, yeah, I will happily trade what I've got here for a, a new chance anywhere else that is yeah. different. And, Hope. Yeah. Hope. So the one thing I had or one last thing I had is that the, you know, this song goes back to using a lot of strings and winds. And to me, that really like drives home this thing that she said that she wrote it, you know, wrote much of the album, watching old Disney movies um, without sound. And uh, so my, my note under that is, is this a good time to talk about what a piece of shit Walt Disney was?
1: (laughs) I feel like that's going to be a broader conversation.
0: That's, uh, I mean, like, basically, the, the, the show uh, You Must Remember This is kind of... It's a show with much higher production values. And it is basically just nonstop. Like, yeah, Walt Disney fucking sucked.
1: It's hard to take a critical look at Walt Disney without seeing... And I don't even know what you would call it. Just sort of the... I don't know if it's irony or if it's just the the difference between the, like the image that Disney portrays and like how the sausage is made. Yeah. Yes. Like it just is a, it It really is an interesting case study.
0: And so I feel like as much as America is like swept up right now in generational shit, you know, and like the past few weeks have been half the culture going crazy about young people saying, okay, boomer,
1: which, I, is, which is interesting because like a lot of that. Okay. Boomer I see on Twitter and like, no boomers are on Twitter. Yeah. Like, right. you know, like, you're reaching like 15% of the boomers.
0: E- even if someone is nominally a boomer on Twitter, it is their intern actually handling like, their Twitter.
1: You want to get their attention like, like okay, boomer on like CBS Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, You'll get 90% of the boomers and Keith.
0: Well, so did you catch uh, CBS Sunday morning? Is this fun thing where a few weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago, they had a woman about our age. To an op-ed about okay boomer you know as, as an expression um yeah you know, basically like explaining what's behind it and like it was really funny and good then last week they bumped uh, they bumped an op-ed with actual content to have their guy who covers the boomer music scene just deliver the most fucking wounded like how dare you Tail the uh, response of like how you know the boomers are okay, man. We gave you the stones. We gave you the Beatles. You know, who's a boomer. Bono is a boomer. And like, they fucking showed a picture of Bono in Africa. And you're supposed to be like, oh, well, case closed.
1: Yeah, I Except can't... they did none of that. Like, right, I... like, it's not like they all got together and be like, okay, here we go. We need to form a band. <laughs> and we've got this complex process by which the rolling stones are generated. Yeah. Like, you know, a P.S. Like the boomers spent a lot of time arguing with their parents' generation about, you know, like Lawrence Welk and right, you know, like this is what happens, right? Like, don't be so sensitive about it. Yeah, just calm down.
0: Anyway, my point in bringing all of this up is that I do feel like one of the uh, one of the hallmarks of of our generation is that Gen X in the nineties. We generally knew that Disney was Disney as a corporation. I don't think we knew as much about the guy then, but we knew that Disney as a corporation was bad fucking shit. And it was painful spending fifteen to twenty years watching people being like, Oh, Disney, Disney's great. And now like people are slowly coming around like, Oh no, this they're they're kinda bad.
1: We are kind of the suspicious generation, I feel like. Uh,
0: uh, how has the world not justified that?
1: True. So this is a confessional, but when I first started seeing that okay boomer, yeah. like I thought it was a reference to the Mark Maron, like Boomer Lives. <laughs> and then I kept seeing it. And I'm like, okay, this can't be. Like there aren't this many people who are listening to the
0: Mark Marin podcast. <laughs> the dude has an audience, but yeah. not that right. big an audience. The thing is, I guarantee you, I will bet you cash money that there is at least right now. December 14th, 2019, there's still at least one person in the state of Oklahoma who thinks it's some kind of snide response to Boomer Sooner, and it's just mad.
1: I think it's funny that you think there's only one person. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
0: It's probably the entire city of Skokie is ready to just fucking rumble Boomer Sooner. Anything else on Mouthful of Blood? Nothing nothing
1: on Mouthful of Blood, but like... and, and this is this is obviously a tangent, but the Boomer Sooner thing, like, huh? like, isn't the Sooner thing like just like a like an appreciation of the fact that they broke the settlement law? Yes,
0: it is nothing to be proud of. <laughs> they should feel it, it. The entire fucking
1: yes. It's, it's like a, we cheat. Like yeah, that, this is what you, this is what you're chanting. Yes. It's, oh fuck, fuck that
0: entire thing. Yes, exactly. It's
1: like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's got to be some positives about Oklahoma. Maybe we could highlight one of those. Yeah,
0: not, well, I mean, they should do less on the uh, celebrating, violating treaties. Maybe more like yeah. Annie Clark and the Flaming Lips, all from Oklahoma originally. What like, you got for you, right? Yeah. You Oklahoma? Celebrate the way at which your state punches above its weight culturally.
1: Yeah, I mean... Ah. It's it's like reading the Grapes of Wrath and being like, yep, the system's perfect. Check. <laughs> it works. <sighs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh, with that, anything else? No, I don't have anything All else. All right. Well, thank you for uh, listening. What you want to do tomorrow is go onto Spotify and dig up the first couple of Van Halen albums. I mean they're they're nice. They do them in order. Or they they number them. So you just go Van Halen, then Van Halen yeah. too and, and maybe Van
1: check out some VHS tapes at the library while you're at it.
0: <laughs> anyway, I am uh I am Keith. Uh you can find me on Twitter at KeithPilly.
1: Um, and I'm Chad Cook. You can find me on Twitter at Cook6252.
0: And uh as always, we would love to hear from you if there's anything about the show that you like or don't like, um if you have an opinion on Dave versus Sammy, please bring it. Uh, if you dug the show, please tell people about it. Go onto iTunes, Google Play, or wherever, and leave a review. It's wild that people listen to listen to us through Spotify. Spotify has no recommendation or review mechanism, so I guess you're off the hook that way. But uh, I don't know, just fucking tell someone on your commute, like, hey. Go to
1: Spotify, or go to go to Sweden and go to the corporate offices of Spotify and ask them to add that functionality. <laughs> yeah, please. Anything less than In that, person. anything less than
0: that is insufficient devotion to the show. Um, thanks again. We will talk to you soon as we move into the back half of actors.